We're continuing our series on uh, difficult questions or hard questions. And today we're going to talk about what does it mean or how to be, how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you a few stories, but first of all, I want to talk about where does the phrase baptized in the Holy Spirit come from? At this church, we are a charismatic church. All right? Some people might look at other charismatic churches and say, oh, never noticed, you know, or whatever, because we're not particularly demonstrative. Some of us are. Maybe one or two people raise their hands. You may have noticed when we mentioned about dancing before, hand, both of Hans' feet left the ground. Neither mine did. Every time I think of dancing, I think of my dad. <laughs> yeah? um, and that puts me off completely, I must admit. Because that is about the only thing where me and my dad are similar. Charismatic means, it comes from the word, the Greek word charisma, and it means gift. It's based on charis, which is the word for grace. So first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is a gift to us, okay? He is a gift to us, and the gifts of the Spirit, if you like, are a manifestation of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And the Holy Spirit has a number of titles, amongst those the paraclete, the helper, the one who aids us in our walk with the Lord. Now I want to define a few things because I think that helps in the way in which we look at being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the baptisms of the Holy Spirit, but not necessarily how it's always portrayed. And we'll get to that in a moment. Right. Start off with... Um, sorry, where, where the, uh, the, the, the phrase being baptized in the Holy Spirit comes from, or one of the places. In John 1, 32 to 33, it says this. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, that is Jesus. And I myself did not know him but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man to whom you see the Spirit come down on, uh, to, to see the Spirit come down and remain is, in, is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of where the phrase comes from. Legitimate. It's in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit. We see him manifested in lots of ways. But the main difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is, uh, with regards to the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit really came upon people rather than indwelt them. So you get uh, various um, episodes where you see the Holy Spirit coming and almost taking over people, um, working through them, but for a limited period of time. So you get um, Saul... For instance, uh, King Saul, at one point, he fell down and prophesied. And the people around him thought, so unusual. They said, wow, is Saul one of the prophets as well? You know, it's only the prophets that do this kind of thing. They kind of like fall down or they do whatever they do and they, and they prophesy. And, and, and Saul's doing it now as well. But then Saul, as we know, disgraced himself later on and, and, and the Spirit of the Lord left him. They get Samson, where the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And then he broke his covenant by having his hair cut. 
and therefore the spirit left him. And then he prayed when he was in, uh, in chains. And finally, the spirit of the Lord came on and got his tremendous strength back. So the manifestation there was the Holy Spirit came in strength on Samson. He was, you know, superhuman strength, if you like. Supernatural strength. Lots of different things sometimes to prophesy. Sometimes they got strength. Sometimes they got natural gifts, like the two guys the Holy Spirit came upon to help um, manufacture the tabernacle from Moses in the wilderness. The physical, you know, they're able to work with uh, precious stones and, and, and uh, metals and things like that and manufacture things that uh, they couldn't do normally. It's prophesied in Joel. You know these verses, I'm sure. In Joel 3, 28 to 32, it was prophesied that the Spirit would come upon all people. He would live within them. He would dwell within them. He would be part and parcel of their daily lives and not leave them. So we get the day of Pentecost, and it says this in Acts 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they're all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Right, first and foremost, we are born again, saved. When we ask the Lord into our lives and the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us, right? In John 3, 5, it says this, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is part and parcel of our salvation, part and parcel of us coming to know Jesus. So when you ask Jesus to come into your life, the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us to the Lord in the first place. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the ability, if you like, to ask, who gives us the desire to say, Lord, I'm just a sinner. I just want to give my life to you. And he's the one that comes in and gives us that peace, gives us that reassurance, gives us that seal, if you like, that we have Lord in our lives, that we have given our lives to him. That kind of assurance. Sometimes people say, I just know in my knower, you know? I don't think it's a great answer to give to people if they're asking, but, you know, there is that sense of, I just know inside. I know the spirit, I'm different. And people start to witness it. Hey, it's different. It's changed. That's the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Well, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Uh, in his 1, 21, 22 says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Now, the modern modern charismatic movement, really only started at the beginning of the last century. There was a revival originally in uh, Azusa Street, I think, is Azusa Street in New Orleans? or Los Angeles. Los Angeles, sorry. Somewhere down there, anyway, in the States. Rapidly grew. You get um, the uh, formation of various um, charismatic churches. You get um, like the Assemblies of God forming in about 1914, um, and in this country in 1924. And pretty soon, the revival itself became codified into a kind of denomination. And there were various different factions, the Elims and, and, and all sorts of people. Uh, there were other 
um, and more latterly um, with different other revivals, uh, charismatic churches, again, not affiliated necessarily to a charismatic denomination or a Pentecostal denomination, um, but believe largely the same things with some variations, some weird doctrine from uh, various things which you could talk about if you ever wanted to. A church history around all this is fascinating, actually. You should, uh, I could recommend a few books if you want to read, uh, read up about it. It also helps us to understand where we're coming from and some mistakes that we don't want to repeat, you know? But we get a general revival of charismatic things, of things that especially kill them off, you know? And it says, well, it, it, it says in John uh, 3.8 that the Holy Spirit breathes. He's like the wind. He blows where he wants. He breathes how he wants to. He does things different ways. So say, well, this is the way you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is the way the Holy Spirit works every time. Some denominations would say, you're not saved till you're filled, filled with the Spirit or baptized with the Spirit. Some would say um, that you don't need to be filled with the Spirit. Some would say that you, um, the Holy Spirit disappeared and gave, went out of our lives after the apostles went and all the, the gifts of the Spirit disappeared. I think that's fairly evident that that's not true, but they would say, oh, no, that's the Lord. I remember telling my teacher in school that, um, uh, I wasn't in school then, um, I'd been filled with the Spirit or baptized in the Spirit or I let the Spirit work in my life, which we'll go through in a minute. Um, when I was 21, not long after I got married, I think it was about three weeks after I got married, about a month, something like that. And um, up to that point, we've been part of, the, uh, of, of, of a, a, a Church of England church that was okay, um, and nothing much going on, but we had a youth group, a little youth group that was going about a dozen of us, maybe half of us were saved. Me and Han got married. Uh, we, was, we were both saved on the same night when I was 16, she was 15. Cradle snatcher. We gave our lives to the Lord. I know I gave my life to the Lord. I was different after that. I actually had a testimony. I tried to give a testimony a couple of months before and kind of got stuck. And in the middle of giving this testimony, standing in front of a whole load of people like this, I suddenly thought, I don't believe a word of this. Um, which was probably instrumental in finding that I didn't need to believe it, you know. So I gave my life to the Lord, became a Christian, knew it was different. But the church didn't believe in anything, anything of the spirits, any manifestation of the spirits or anything like that. And we very much kept away from it. And, you know, that was it. Anyway, um, we got married, came back. And I'd been talking to a friend of mine who was from Pentecostal Church. His dad was an Ely minister. And uh, I asked him about, about it. And he sort of explained it, showed me a few things in the Bible. I said, I want this. I want this. I want this. I want the Holy Spirit to be more in my life. So... I got him to come around my house one night, and uh, we prayed. And I asked the Holy Spirit to, to fill me, to just however I understood it. It wasn't very much understanding then. And uh, nothing happened. So I was sitting there, and he was sitting there, and we were there for about an hour. And his name was Paul. I said, hey, Paul. I said, go home. Said, just go home, and uh, you know, I'll stay here for a bit and think about it. So we went home. I lived about... 15, 20 minutes away. He got his car, went off. Before he got home, I was just sitting there. I said, Lord, is there something I need to do? And in my mind, in my heart, I said, you need to open your mouth and to praise me and speak. So I opened my mouth to praise and made this really weird noise and started speaking in tongues. 
thought, oh, that's, that, that's all right. That's, that's quite good. And anyway, you know, I felt really great about it. And I phoned him as he got in. He had mobiles then. It was a while back. Um, and told him, oh, fantastic. So I talked to Han about it, and she was up in bed, and said to her, um, shall we pray for you? I said, well, okay, yeah, not tonight. We'll do it next, next weekend, it turned out. So that was a Sunday night. The following Saturday night, we were praying, and I said to Han, look, I'm going to pray for you. Uh, I'll, set, I'll do what Paul did, but you've got to speak. You can't just sort of go there and go, God, do something with my mouth. Okay? Which people do. Seriously, I'll, I'll, yeah, this is talking about mechanics, and this is what happened to us. It's not necessarily the same, right? There's a girl I prayed for once. She just couldn't speak in tongues. She was embarrassed. I couldn't speak in tongues. You may not speak in tongues. You may. Some people say you've got to. It's not in the scripture, guys, all right? Anyway, I prayed for her, and she didn't speak in tongues. She went to bed, went to sleep, dreamt she was speaking in tongues, or woke up speaking in tongues. It's always different. It doesn't matter. The Spirit goes where he wants, does it how he wants, according to our personality as well and who we are and what our background is and all sorts of things, whether they get embarrassed to dancing or not. Or, yeah. Anyway, so I said to Han, oh, we then got a phone call. Some kids had broken into the youth club and all the equipment was strewn all over the road outside. Can you come up and sort it out? Okay. So as I left, I said to her, now let's just pray for you. When I come back, I want to hear you speaking in tongues. So I went out got all the stuff out the road and Han said, guess what? I came back and she's speaking in tongues. Now, weird. That, the most unspiritual circumstances really when you think about it. Spirit goes where he wants. He does what he wants. He, we cannot codify things in such a way and say, this is it. Obviously, if things are sinful, if things are unrighteous, then the Holy Spirit, the Lord, will not contravene those. But things of how it's done. You know, when Jesus was healing people, you can't find two ways in the Bible where he healed people in the same way. You know, and why? I believe it's because he didn't want us to get into a pattern and say, this is how you heal people. You know? He did it differently every time. You know? He did some disgusting things, you know, spitting on their eyes and stuff like this. Not nice. But it's how the Spirit was leading him. And that's how he did things. So don't, if you've, got a, if you've got a fixed idea, if you come from a denominational background and it's always said, they've always said, well, this is how it is. You know, this is how it is. And if you don't com comply with this, then forget it. Sorry. The spirit goes where he wants and he'll do something just to defy you because he's like that. He comes from Liverpool. <laughs> he's got that way about him. Now listen to this, Acts 8, 14 to 17. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria, that's up in the north, where they didn't, you know, they counted them as, you know, not true Jews, they'd fallen away, they'd done all sorts of stuff, had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Peter and John placed their hands on them, they received them, uh, they, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, you've got a two-part thing here, but the two-part bit is that they believed in their heads, and they said, Lord, we, want, we, we, we believe in you, we trust in you, we want to be part of uh, you know, this way that has 
Come, we believe in Jesus. We've heard all about him. That I had never heard of the Holy Spirit. Didn't know about the Holy Spirit. So John and Peter come up and pray for them. And what happens? They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They prayed with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's how it happens sometimes. I believe that's what happened to us. We knew kind of about the Holy Spirit, but we didn't know anything about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the releasing of the Holy Spirit. Though the Holy Spirit is there from the beginning. And this is the point I'm trying to make. When we give our lives to the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. And as you read through the scripture, being baptized is being immersed. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to come. When it talks about you want more of the Holy Spirit, you don't get more of the Holy Spirit in terms of quantity. Or quality is there anyway. What you do get is more of him in your life. More of you in my life. I want more, Lord. Why? I want you in every part of my life. I want you in the part of my life that isn't really been touched by you yet. I want you in the part of my life that you used to be that I've forgotten about. Things have changed and, oh gosh, I really, I you really don't have you in my life. It's not like it used to be. I want to be refreshed. I want to be new. Break out within me, Holy Spirit, because you're there. So there's no second dollop of Holy Spirit. There is a releasing. And that's the baptism, if you like. That's the filling. That's the renewal. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. I'll just say one thing, by the way, as well. Some people are restrained because they think that the Holy Spirit is going to do something really horrible to them. You know, take over and they'll float to the ceiling or shout. Or they'll say something, you know, like a sort of spiritual Tourette's and, and kind of start saying things like, that can't help themselves. It says in the Bible that the spirits of the, the, spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That's in... Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, um, verse 32. I know that because I just looked it up. What he's basically saying there, Paul is saying, is that he's talking about order in the church meetings. And he's saying, sometimes, guys, you're letting your spirits get carried away and you need to be subject to you. All right? The Holy Spirit will not do something out of order. It might look a bit odd to us sometimes. He might ask us to do things, say things. But it's about obedience, so, how do we get filled with the Spirit, released, baptized in the Spirit, whichever we want to call it? And you can call it all on any of those. First of all, we ask. You've got to ask. You've got to acknowledge that that's where it's coming from. It's coming from the Lord. We ask because we believe. Matthew 7, we know these verses very well, verse 7 and 8. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. But everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. First stage, ask. Because he's there already. He's just waiting for you to ask. And he's waiting for me to ask. You know, I'm more conscious now of areas in my life where I need the Lord than I was when I was a teenager and I was perfect. Knew everything then. And the second one is surrender. Obedience. Just give yourself over. We took Ar uh, Archie and Maisie for their inoculations. Oh, you know, the vaccinations, annual ones on Friday. Well, I took them down. Archie's great. He sits there and he's kind of going, yes, stick a needle in me, that's all right. You know, yes. Wade sits there, etc., etc. Maisie, completely different. On the scales, 
No, on the, no, stay on the scales. No, sit. Okay. Uh, give you a treat. Okay, there you go. No, stay on the chair. No, no. It took three of us to hold her down to give her an injection. Whereas Archie kind of look, looked around and went, hmm, okay. Yeah. We're all different. She wasn't particularly obedient. <laughs> And she nearly got a needle broken in her, uh, in her back. And that's that thing you shove up the nose for the kennel cough. My goodness. We had to get an extra nurse in. They were holding her down. Anyway, I urge you, Romans 12.1, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Sometimes we skim over these verses. And that's what it means. It means surrender. Offer yourself freely and without any sort of conditions or anything. Let him do that, all right? Now, just a quick word about the various gifts. There are people who say, some people will say, oh, there's nine gifts, three, three sections of, you know, three categories, etc., etc." Some will say there's whatever. There's about 20-odd mentioned in the Bible. Some of them are done in a, a particular order, and then the order's different. Um, one of the things that people often talk about is, well, uh, you can do this and you can do that, and it's like as if um, they're in some sort of um, categorized order. But actually, when you look at the Greek, the Greek words, say, for in, in we've got um, uh, Romans 12, um, or 1 Corinthians, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, not Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Corinthians 14, but 1 Corinthians 12 in particular, when it's listing the various gifts and things, in the Greek, you can say, on the one hand there's this, and on the other 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 hand there's this. You don't say, you can do this or this. It's not one or the other, it's all of them, right? So, putting things in a pecking order, or whatever, and, and they're, they're, they're examples of gifts. They tend to merge the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit within us. Things like prophecy, things like speaking in tongues, all those things. It also says that those gifts are given by the Spirit, so they're gifts, all right? And the thing about a gift is, it's given. We have to receive it, yeah? So that's one other thing, we have to receive it. Secondly, it says he gives the gifts where he wants to, according to what he wants us to do, who we are, who he is, what his plan is. In a sense, it has nothing to do with us. He's prepared us in advance for good works that he wants us to do, and that will include... Natural talents, which he's given us, so you can call those gifts as well. It will, will include supernatural giftings, and all of them are available to all of us, as the Spirit wills. There isn't a particular category. Now, some people are particularly good at certain things, and so may end up not just being someone who prophesies, but being a prophet, right? Now, there are things that prophets should do and things they shouldn't do, right? First one is they shouldn't prophesy falsely because that means they're not a prophet, all right? How do you know if somebody prophesies falsely? It doesn't happen. But you get a lot of people going around going, I'm a prophet because they quite fancy that. I want to be a prophet, I want to be a prophet, I want to be a prophet. Now, if the Lord puts that in the heart, that's fine. But it's by their fruits you'll know them, it says, so if the prophecy comes to pass, if people are 
that the church is built up and people don't glorify the prophet as opposed to glorify the Lord, then yeah, you've probably got something there. That's one of the reasons why in this church we don't really like people saying, thus saith the Lord, yes? Grown along beard, wearing robes and coming out and saying, I am the great prophet. We prefer to say, well, I think the Lord might be saying something here. Just as valid, you know? Because it's part of the whole Again, the Spirit is there to unify us in our diversity. He's there to give us. The gifts are there to build up the Spirit, there to build up the church, um, to know the Lord better. And it just always points to the Lord. Healing. I remember years ago, some of you, very few of you will remember, we had a guy here who said he was a healer. He came to two meetings. He prayed. He did quite a lot of damage to a lot of people because... He was making all sorts of claims and everything. When we checked up on him, it's before we were leading, I'll deny all responsibility, right? But when we, checked, when, we, when we checked up on him and we asked him, you know, can you tell us about the people? No, when I pray for them, they're healed. I don't go back to check. They're just healed like this. And we couldn't find one person that had been healed. You know, there's an evangelist I know, in inverted commas, I can't find anybody that stayed with the Lord. In fact, I know some people who said that they believed in the evangelist. He may have been a charismatic person. But he wasn't charismatic in the sense of having that gift in. But sometimes people say they're something because they aspire to it. We need to check out the results. Now, that sounds very negative. But there's a big section or several sections in the Bible really warning about that because it does damage to the church. It does damage to the church's reputation in the outside world. It does damage to the people in the church. But it also says, aspire to those gifts, to those great gifts, right? Aspire to those gifts. Use those to build up the church. Use those to give to the Lord. Use those to offer yourselves more and more. And it's not about you. Those gifts are gifts given, all right? One other thing. Sometimes people fall from grace. They get caught up in the world. They gifted people, right, if you like. Sometimes they're put up on a pedestal, which is a sad thing because they're up there to be knocked off, frankly. And people will be blessed by them. They'll, be, you know, they'll see lots of things happen great. And then they find out that that person has had the hand in the till or been involved in some affair or something like that. Do you know... It's, it also says in, I think it's in, is it Romans? I can't find it. Anyway, in, in uh, it, one of the verses in the Bible, I think it is in Romans, it says the, uh, that God gives his gifts without revoking them. So you will get somebody who is operating the gifts and their character and their intimacy with God has gone, has disappeared. And then we find out later that all of these things have happened. It doesn't negate the fact that the Lord worked through them. All right? And they may fall from grace. So we may not see them again or whatever. Or may be disillusioned by them. But don't let the person disillusion because it's the gift that is put in them that God's given without repentance, it says, without taking it back. So it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift that has ministered to you. So don't feel, oh, it's all of no effect. If the gift worked, that's fine. It's by, it's by the fruits again. 
That's it, Romans 11, 29. Sorry, God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. So we have lots of different gifts. We'll look at 1 Corinthians. I'll just reiterate a few verses. Reiterate a few verses so you know that I am actually trying to base this on the Bible. Um, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, manifestation being the, the way in which the Spirit demonstrates himself or, or the way it comes out, uh, is given for the common good. It's for the common good, not for personal glorification. Yep, that's one thing to remember. It's a spectrum of gifts according to what's given us, not due to any merit on our part. I've already said that, but uh, here's a verse to back that up. Uh, Romans 12, 6 to 8. We have different gifts uh, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And the reason I say that all these things are available to all of us is because sometimes people look at you know, things with the office of this, that, and the other. Did you know that the words the office of don't actually appear in the original versions in the Bible? They're just stuck in because people have got used to the office of a pastor or the office of a deacon or the office of a prophet. They're not there. They're just people who prophesy, people who serve. People who pastor people, look after people, shepherds. Again, it brings it down to don't put people on a pedestal. There's some people who are gifted who, um, and, and, and use their gifts in a great way to glorify the Lord. A lot of people. But quite often, that gifting can, sometimes can go to people's heads, but sometimes it's, it's, not, it's not there. It's more about the person than it is about, about the Lord. And, and just to back that one up, Matthew 7, 15 to 20. It says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By the fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit... You will recognize them. That's Matthew 7, 15, the 20. So, just to summarize, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us when we're born again, when we give our lives to Jesus, right? The baptism of the Spirit, or the filling of the Spirit, or the washing of the Spirit, or whatever, is both a, maybe an experience that is actually an ongoing experience. It's not just a one-off but the first time, maybe, or when we experience various releases, we, we get that peace that passes understanding for the first time. We suddenly go, wow, that's great. Going back to Archie and Maisie again. Uh, they're my dogs for anybody that doesn't know, by the way. You may realize that. I've got two dogs I love very dearly. When I come home, every, every time I come home, I might have only been out for 10 minutes, they jumping up and their tails are wagging and barking and yowling and come on, they want me just to touch them and, that, and then just run off. You know, like that. It's unbridled joy. And you know what? I learned so much from them about joy. They don't care. You know, if I had a tail, I could wag it. You know. <laughs> because they just give themselves. He's here. 
you know, the Lord's here. Well, you know, Steve's here. And the dog's, you know, in the same way, Jesus is here. Unbridled joy. Unbridled joy. Fantastic. And sometimes it might make you dance. It depends on who you are, you know. Sometimes it might make you just smile inside. Sometimes you just need that touch. But it's unbridled. There's no side to it. Those two dogs, they just rush out. They hear the car coming about a block off, so they're already going when you get there. And they're just full of joy. You know, full of joy. Tails wagging, everything. And it's the same with us. Unbridled joy. That's not natural. That's from the spirit within us saying, Daddy's here. And the peace that passes understanding in the midst of all sorts of things. Wow. Suddenly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I know you're with me. Thank you, Lord. That's fantastic. Did you feel it then? Because it's in all our hearts. So don't be bothered. Don't be bothered if you don't have the same gifting as somebody else. At the same time, don't use your lack of whatever as an excuse. Oh, I could never do that. All the time the Lord is saying, press forward. Paul's saying, I race on to the prize. So whether it's a little bit, whether your character is sort of quite introverted or whether your character is extroverted, doesn't matter. We've got to make progress all the time. We're moving on. So push forward. But push forward as the Holy Spirit leads. Surprise yourself. But let the Spirit work in your life. Let him release, be released in what you do. And do it all for his glory. All for his glory. Do it in a natural way. You know, there's a very well-known verse we use because it's been subject to musicals and stuff like that. Um, in Micah 6.8 it says, He has shown you, O mortal, as it says in the NIV, or O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. He doesn't ask us to go doing spectacular things, looking, oh, Lord, I think it's fantastic with Dot. Yeah, you pray. Sometimes you pray, sometimes you don't, but you pray, Lord, give me someone to talk to today. And there they are. Talk to them, pray with them, something quiet. It's not going out on the hunt, looking for a target. You know, it's going out being natural. Who do you come across? Has the Lord put them in my way? What are you saying to me, Lord? Don't even have to think it half the time. So just go and do it. And the Holy Spirit leads you. He gives you the words to say, because that's what he says he'll do. And we live our lives walking in the Spirit as we're meant to live our lives in a natural way. We don't have to perform. We just have to surrender. Yeah? We have to ask and surrender. So if you want to know how to be baptized in the Spirit and keep that way and stay that way and be refreshed and keep being baptized in the Spirit and filled and everything, there's your clue. Very simple. Sorry to disappoint. If that is disappointing, ask and then surrender. If you get stuck, if you think, oh, I'm through this, just ask him again. Say, Lord, just find a way. My desire is to love you, to serve you, not to have these gifts to show off. Because sometimes that's what it is. 
Sometimes people get attracted by those, you know. Sometimes they want to be something. Well, we're all something with the Lord. We just have to be content with the something he's made us, you know. And you know what? If we are, they make us something special because really we are all something special. We just have to realize that. Yeah? I'm going to pray. If somebody here feels they want to be released, they want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if they want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of which are interchangeable as far as I'm concerned, if you want to touch from the Lord, well, let's just pray. And we'll pray now for that. And if you want something, something more, if you find you're stuck somewhere or something, feel free to come and talk afterwards to me or to one of the others, anyone you trust. You know, talk to Dot. Talk to anyone that um, the Lord leads you to. Let the Holy Spirit do the leading. You know, a bit like Yellow Pages. Anyway, let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are the Ruach, the breath, the one who goes where he wishes, bestows gifts upon us, lives within our hearts. And Father, I pray for everyone here that each and every one will be released, will be filled, will be baptized with your Holy Spirit, totally immersed in you, that each of our lives, Lord, will be touched in, in a way that we've not been touched before, that you will move forward. And we will see the spectacular, but it will be as a body, and it will be in your glory, Lord. So, Lord, I pray for every single person here. I pray for those who got a little bit stuck somewhere, and they think, oh, I wish I could speak in tongues, I wish I could do this. Well, whatever it is, Lord, if that desire has come from you, I pray that that will be released now in the name of Jesus. I ask, Lord, that you will just move, will just push each one of us to go that little bit further than we were able to before by the power of your Spirit. That you will convict us where we need to be convicted. That you will do away with any condemnation that we've taken upon ourselves or we've accepted because somehow we think that we're inferior or we cannot do what other people do. Well, maybe we can't, Lord, because that's not what we're meant to do. But we are meant to do what you want us to do. So, Lord, show us clearly. Show us clearly. Show us with conviction. And help us to understand, Lord, that you have made us for a purpose. You have given us your Holy Spirit as the helper. And, Lord, we just ask and we surrender. We surrender to your power, your quiet voice, your stillness, your peace, your unbridled joy, all of those good things, Lord. We surrender to those and make a difference in our lives, make a difference that other people comment on, that they see. It might not just be a knowledge that you're there with us, that you're dwelling within us. Give us that inner voice, that guidance, that peace that passes understanding. In Jesus' precious name, amen.